0: are listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Colossians chapter 2, we'll be looking at that in just a moment. We're in this series, it's called Come Alive, and it's about living in resurrection power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is promised and is available for believers in Jesus Christ today. It's available for you today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter where you are at. And even the rain this weekend, uh, I wasn't looking forward to it. It's kind of a yucky day, especially today. And yet, in so many ways, it is a blessing. Yes, I put my rain gauge out because that's what good farmers from Saskatchewan would always do. And we got three-tenths of an inch of rain from at about uh, five o'clock this morning when I checked, and it was still raining. And, and, and it was a blessing because things were getting kind of dry. And, you know, farmers and gardeners and horticulturalists, and people who like to have their grass green and 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 would all agree that you can water, you can irrigate, you can have the sprinklers going, but there's nothing quite like The rain that falls from the heavens that causes new life and causes just life to spring forth, especially when it's followed by sunshine, which is forecasted either later today and definitely tomorrow. And that is when we will just see things bursting forth, new life like crazy come forth in this wonderful season of spring. Well, today we will see in God's word that one of the ways that we can come alive as God's children is as we walk without isolation. To walk with Jesus without isolation. And in Colossians chapter 2, we have the Apostle Paul writing to the churches in Colossae as well as Laodicea, which is a city nearby Colossae. And he's writing to them because he's concerned. He's concerned about the false teaching that is infecting and affecting the churches there. And see, oftentimes, when you think about it, when it comes to much of the New Testament, as you read through the different uh, epistles and, and, and uh, uh, teaching here in, in God's Word through the different books, we see that so much of the New Testament was written to keep the church together. To correct and to settle various problems and issues, to warn and to confront and call out sin, as well as deal with various messy issues. You want to read about one messed up, really messed up church? Just read the book of 1 Corinthians, followed by the book of 2 Corinthians. And Paul actually wrote four different letters to them. Only two of them are in the Bible, and it was to correct a really, really messed up church. And 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 yet the whole thing is, because we see then and we even see it today, that the church has always always will be, until Christ returns, a pretty messy broken place. And that is really the way that it ought to be. Perfect people better not join the church of Jesus Christ. Because if you are perfect, you're not going to fit in very well, especially here at Hope. It's just not going to feel very comfortable if you're perfect. And by chance, by chance, you happen to find and land in the perfect church. Guess what? You died, and you are in heaven. That's the only place where we will experience that. And you see, the church isn't a a, a well-oiled and well-staffed cruise ship that is clean and sparkly, filled with all the amenities. That's not what the church is designed to be. And yet, in so many different ways, that's what the church has become in North America. No, the church is more like a hospital uh, for sick and broken and hurting people to come and to find hope and to find help and to find healing through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through the power of the body of Christ working together with one another. Now, when it comes to passages like this in Colossians chapter 2 that we're going to read in, a, in, in just a second here, one can't help but read the heart and the passion, the angst that Paul had when he was writing this. And today it is a call to walk with Jesus, to walk without isolation. And so we're going to read, starting actually in chapter 1, verse 28, just so you get more of the context in which Paul is writing, as well as just some of the passion here, and just ugh, how he is given this here. Verse 28 of chapter 1 of Colossians, him we proclaim, that's Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And then into chapter 2, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face. See, Paul had a bit of an issue. He wasn't able to see uh, these believers face to face. And yet it doesn't stop his angst and his passion. He says, and and here's what he's passionate about, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of of, of full assurance of understanding, that no one is doubting their faith, no one is doubting their salvation, and, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving." Now, Paul is striving, toiling for God's people to be mature, to be maturing in their walk with Christ. And we see very clearly from this passage that in order for us to discover the riches of God's word, in order for us to grow into the fullness and into the firmness of growing maturity in our faith, this happens best, and it happens through church community. And you see, here's the thing. Yours and my discipleship Yours and my walk with God isn't merely an individual pursuit. It's a community project. It's a team sport. And I'm not talking a team sport like golf, where you have a few golfing buddies or budettes if you're a female. And, and, and now it's good to have golfing buddies. It's good to have a good close friends, Christian friends in our lives, but our discipleship, it's more than that. It's larger than that. It's more than a golf team. Our discipleship is more like a football team. And it, it, that is what the church ought to be that has an offense and defense and special teams and coaches and trainers and, and, and various managers and cheerleaders and, 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 and so on and so on. Everyone working together, everyone working together for the win. And what's the win? The win. To glorify God, to see maturity happen, to see lost souls saved, and to see saved souls matured, and to be growing in our faith, knit together in unity as we've been seeing here. That is the win, to see disciples made for God's name, for his glory. Now write this down, encourage you to write this down, this important takeaway for today. Our walk with God is a community project. You need to understand that. You need to know that. There's Yes, we respond to Jesus Christ personally, individually. That's where the personal faith is. But beyond that, our walk with Christ is a community project. Get over it. You have to get over the thought that, no, I just have this private faith. No, it's a community project. And I've got scriptures to back it up. And so I'll write down these references and look them up later. But I'm going to read them. I'm going to allow God's Word to, to instruct you in this. Philippians chapter 1, 27, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come, to, come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. We ought not to be frightened by anything. There are all these different things going on around us. But when we're striving side by side with one another, knowing we're not alone, we're locking shields together with one another, that's powerful. And then in Philippians 4.1, it says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And then he goes on in verse 2, he says, I entreat you, Iodia and Syntyche to agree together. This is family talk here, folks. This is him calling these folks brothers, and then he's dealing with some sisters who aren't getting along. And he's like, Come on, you guys, stand firm together. Stand firm together in the Lord. And then again, we see more verses in 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 19. For what is our hope or, or joy or crown of our boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? What are we going to boast about on the day that Jesus Christ returns? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. This is the living for the one another's. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 7 says this. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. This is... This is the Apostle Paul saying, as he is in prison, as he is receiving beatings and, 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 and so much discouraging things happening around him. But he's like, you know what, but what I'm living for, what I'm living for is, that, is for to see you standing firm together in the Lord. Paul wasn't living his life for himself, but he was living it for others. Colossians, here again, just as as I read a few moments ago in chapter 129, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great I struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for those who have not seen me face to face. Do you you just see? Do you feel? Do you kind of hear that angst in the Apostle Paul? Beloved ones, understand this. This is the kind of angst and passion that we're all to have for one another. This isn't just reserved for Jesus. It just isn't reserved for special people like the Apostle Paul. It's for each one of us to long for one another, to strive side by side as partners in the gospel. Our walk, your walk, together with Christ is that community project. And you see, if the same Holy Spirit that empowered and filled Jesus... The power that raised him from the dead. The power of the Holy Spirit that filled and indwelt the Holy Spirit. If we are in Christ, that same Holy Spirit dwells within each one of us. And so that same heart, that same love has been implanted in our lives. <laughs> and you, Really? It, it, I don't really see it there. It, it's there. It's in seed form. If the Holy Spirit is in you, it's there. Now we've got to grow it. We've got to grow it. We, and, and it comes by choosing to not live in isolation but to live for one another. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, we are to have this love growing, ever abounding in our love for one another. Because of the gospel, because of God's heart for us, this is why we have it. It's not that we have to, okay, fine, we'll strive together, we'll serve together, we'll love each other. No, it's because our response to the gospel What God's heart for us in sending his son and seeing that lived out in the life of Jesus. This is the love the Holy Spirit has deposited in us. This love, this striving for one another in this way. Yet today, we have this movement. It's been going on for some time, but it's almost even gaining great momentum, sadly. I love Jesus, but not the church. I love Jesus, and I don't need the church. I'm fine on my own. But let me say this carefully. Let me say it lovingly. But let me say it seriously. Because if this is what you believe, then you don't truly love Jesus. And maybe it's safe right now that I'm behind a camera and you can't throw anything at me. Because you see, Jesus loved the church. He gave himself sacrificially for it. And what he loves, if we love him, we're going to love what he loves. And what did he love? He loved the church to the point of death, of sacrifice, of giving himself for the church. And we are to love and strive and give ourselves for one another in the body of Christ. Not just the golf buddies, not just the little, those group of people that we really like and get along with. I can, I can love and I can, you know, do the Christian life with them. No, it's, it's more than that, and we're going to see this here in this text. And here's the reality, write this down, I need you, you need me, and we all need one another for the long haul. I need you, you need me, and we all need one another for the long haul striving for and with one another. Think back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis, before the fall into sin. Have you ever looked at it in this perspective? What was the one thing that was not good? As you go through the days of creation, it says, and it was good, it was good. When God made man, it was very good. But what is one thing that he said wasn't good? In in chapter 2, verse 18, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. No, we are to not be alone. We are to have others in our lives. And I love it that that, that then God caused um, uh, Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and you've probably heard this before, and maybe this is how it went down and he wakes up and he looks over and naked woman beside him, and he's like, whoa, man, and, and, and so he got woman from that, you know, and, and that's how, how, how that maybe went down, and so, you know, and, and so it's just so awesome, and, and, and yet it's not just for a husband and wife relationship, we see we've been knit together, we've been made for community. We were designed for relationship, for community, for interdependence upon and with one another, for mutual neededness, if that's a word, I'm not sure. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12, it says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. I need you, you need me, and we all need one another for the long haul. Striving for and with one another. And in the last few decades, we have seen in North America consumerism, complacency, comfort, convenience, it's taken over the church. It's taken over our lives in so many different ways. Faster, better, stronger, make it all easier kind of thing. And it's infiltrated the church. Church is, in, in many ways has become kind of like an ecclesiastical buffet. And, and it, this is the church I go to for worship. This is the church I go to or tune into for preaching. This is the one that fits my schedule. This is the one that has the programs for kids, youth, men's, women that I kind of like. And, and, and so it's kind of like church on demand or church my way. Build your own. You know, and, and uh, build your own combo of, of, of your church buffet. And with this comes a very low bar of expectation, commitment and service, but also in, P, in being known and knowing others. It's clearly what we are seeing here in North America and what we have helped to even build, sadly, is not what Jesus Christ head in mind for his church and with covid-19 hitting the last 13 months or so it has been it has many ways has just simply intensified this attitude this practice this thinking for us all cuz let's face it it's a lot easier for you right now sitting on your couch with a cup of coffee in your nice warm house right but church gathering together being in the lives of others is a lot more messy it's a lot more difficult. And sadly, with the lockdowns and shutdowns and mandates, it's brought in new levels of isolation and aloneness for people which is not healthy, affecting mental and spiritual health in a major way. And this can lead to some very dark and very dangerous paths for us. You might say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, it's gonna be where th- what's been going on over the last number of months and, and, and this past year, as it continues to have effect, it's slowly, we come to that breaking point it's easy to settle for little or no community. It's easy to settle to hide in the shadows, even before COVID, and now it's even made it more possible. And I'm so thankful for the way that churches have, have kind of jumped to the online services so that God's word could go forth, especially in those early days and early months thankful for things like the online lobby on telegram and if you're not on that you really need to do it you can go on our website and you can click to join that you download the telegram app and on it because there's a lot of good information there's a lot of uh ways that you can communicate and 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 just join together especially when we're not able to be together on a day like today it's come in handy like when the the that first feed was kind of messed up we could put the new feed on there and you could just join on right away quite easily We're thankful for things like Zoom to to help to get us connected and to stay connected. And I heard this illustration a a number of months ago, and it has really stuck with me, that years ago when a soldier would go off to war, he would communicate the only way that he could, and he would write write letters to his sweetheart, and she would write them back to him. And they would write back and forth because that's the best that they had. But once the war was over and he was able to come back home, He didn't write letters from across town and put them in the mailbox and send them and wait for her letters. No, he would be together with her face to face. And and so letters worked and and, and letters were helpful for that time. but, But when there's opportunity to be able to be together face to face, there's nothing quite like that. And this is why we have been striving for our small groups to meet in person, to support, encourage, strengthen one another, to meet in person as much as possible and and, and, and as much as people are comfortable. And, and we want to help in that. And, and even this past week, I, I've been meeting with a, a group of men on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m., and, and there was a number of us that were able to meet here at the church office in person, but then we Zoomed in, a guy in Kelowna, a guy in Florida right now, another guy in uh, South Africa, And uh, oftentimes, a guy from Christina Lake joins in, and and we've been journeying together over the last while, and we need to use technology, but there's nothing replaces being able to look someone in the eye face to face. And this is why we've been saying, we want to see your face, and and, and church family. I mean that, even now, because we can't see your face. I hope, not during the sermon, but right after the sermon, you'll post selfies of yourselves watching the service or whatever it might be, because we want to see your face. Sunday patio, being on the patio the last number of weeks, waving to you in your cars, it's so good, it's so important to see flesh, seeing flesh together. And in small groups on Zoom, that's so helpful and so good. Yet you can be showing up at church, you can be showing your face, you can be at small group and still be a group and feel like a familiar stranger. Not knowing people well and them not knowing you well. And and, and, this is why we must choose to not live in isolation. And, and this is why we must choose to walk without I- isolation. And I encourage you to write this down. So that our hearts may be encouraged and strengthened. We walk without I- isolation so that our hearts are encouraged and strengthened, number one. Paul's striving and toiling, laboring, wrestling for them to be mature and strong and, and, and able to withstand the troubles and the trials. This is what he was passionate about. And he can't get to Colossae right now. He wanted to. He's just long. He just, I want to get there. I want to see you folks. I'm concerned what's happening. But so here's the second best thing. I'm writing you a letter. He'd love to go, but he's a little tied down at the time with writing. Why is he tied down? He's in prison. He couldn't get out. But his persistence for the gospel led him to write this amazing letter that has encouraged them and has encourages the church today. And he's calling them to walk and to strive for one another, not living in isolation, not living in self-centeredness. And you see, our homes have become, especially in this past year, a place, and of especially this past year, of physical safety, a place where we ought to feel safe and, and comfortable, and that's that's fine and that's good. But there's also... Great danger that lurks in our homes. You see, sin thrives in isolation. And this is why we have to be so careful of this. And here, Paul, he's desiring, he's praying. In verse 2, we see that their hearts may be encouraged. That word for heart doesn't mean, you know, uh, how we see, to oh, just go with your heart. You know, it, it, the word heart here in Scripture refers to the mind, to the will, to the affections. Basically, it's about the command center of the human life. Now, in warfare, if the enemy is going to take you down, if he's going to take down their opponent, they're going to strive, they're going to infiltrate, they're going to get into the command center, and that is similar to our hearts. Our hearts are that command center, and how we need to have our hearts strengthened and protected, how? With encouragement from one another, which means that that word encouragement is to come alongside, to comfort to console. It's so vital. And a great place that that can happen initially, first stage of that is, is on Sunday morning in our gatherings. And that's why it's important. We see this in the Acts 2 church, how they met together at the temple courts. And the weekly of God's, pe- the gathered grouping of God's people and weekly gathering is and ought to be an utmost priority in our lives. The yard work The beach, the workout, everything else, when it comes towards a Sunday, falls second place towards the gathering together of the body of Christ. To gather in flesh, in person, live, as much as possible. And to do this for the glory of God. And to know that in the process, the sanctification of God's saints is taking place. And you say, well, how's that happening? I'm just showing up and sometimes I don't get much out of it. I like what Paul Tripp said in a short video and I posted it on Facebook. I think it was last week or maybe it was the week before. And I'm going to just quote some of the things that he said here. It's so good. He said, I need to hear brothers and sisters sing the gospel into my ears. I need my dull heart awakened by their voices again and again and again. I need to be taught again and again. I need the biblical story applied to my story so I live with a God story mentality. I need to be taught by a pastor who is with us, who walks long term with us, who knows us, who can look at us and speak those truths to the people that he knows and loves. It is where he is known and where we are known to him. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. Books, he goes on to say, the internet and conferences doesn't replace that. He says, I need corporate worship. I need to be reminded of the truths of the gospel and worship. I need to hear brothers and sisters sing the gospel into my ears, sing those truths into my ears week after week after week. Parents, your children need to hear the gospel sung into their ears week after week after week. They need to hear. They may not even understand it, but they need to hear the word of God proclaimed. And they need to see love in action. Folks, we need to have our dull heart awakened week after week because the world dull makes it very dull. The world, the flesh, the devil fights hard against us. And and these are things that we're not going to get on our own or on a couch or laying in bed (laughs) in case some of you are doing that even right now. This is how God has designed His church and we ought to be there as much as possible, gathered together again and again and again. Second of all, we walk without isolation, but rather in community so that we are knit together with one another in love. So that we are knit together with one another in love. Look at verse 2. This is where we get this from. Being knit together in love. This is about unity. This is about one-mindedness. So that when a person comes into a relationship with Christ... We are, first and foremost, we are united with Christ. Christ is the one who, who builds. It is, we are unified with him. We don't make the unity. Christ we, has already done that, but we are to maintain this unity. And I must admit that um, Charlotte and I are kind of becoming old people at times, our kids would definitely agree with that, and uh, some of you might as well. In fact, well, I'm not going to go into that story, what happened at Costco. Now, it's my least favorite store over what happened there this week. They thought, anyway, not going to go there. Uh, it's time not to get too petty. But um, but uh, th- this past winter, um, Charlotte um, took up knitting, and she knitted her first blanket, and, um, and, and it's a great blanket, and so, you know, in the evenings, um, she would knit, and we would watch curling, and I would fall asleep and we'd drink tea. How's that for old people, hey? And, uh, you know, and so what a life. And uh, anyways, uh, she was using thread like this. Now, Jonathan, uh, you don't know you're doing this. If you could come out here for a second, that would be great. If you could bring that blanket that, that's right there. And, um, and so this is the blanket. If you can just hold it up. What would you say about this blanket? It's nice. Um, okay, now, uh, uh, let, you got some pipes there. Okay, put, put this in, in one hand, okay. and this in the other. Now, what is lighter? Uh, this one. This one, right. And, and this is pretty flimsy, right? Yeah. yeah. not much to it. In fact, like, I can even show you my, my brute strength. Just, oh, oh there we go. I, I just faked that first one. Like, it just ripped. Like, there's not a lot to this. And that's a heavy blanket, isn't it? Right. I mean, there are... Lots of knits here, aren't there? Yes. I mean, this is one heavy thing. Like, he's, he's going to go and have a rest after this, you know, or at least a snack, you know, to, to help yourself with because w- what is it? This is a whole bunch of thread like this. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, this is a whole bunch of thread like this that seems in and out of itself, there's not a lot to it, but it actually pulls apart very easily, and it's pretty much not very useful just on its own in this way, but knit together there's strength, there's warmth, there's community as it's all interwoven with one another. And folks, this is what Paul is getting at here when he says that we, he desires for us to be knit together in love. Knit together for, and, and then there's strength and there's a purpose. And here's this, the thing, Sunday gatherings don't provide all that we need in the Christian walk. Even showing up on a Sunday, week after week, and even having a strong God time daily in your life, spending time in the Word and prayer, we still need to be knit together, not just as good Christian friends in our lives, but going deeper with one another, being interwoven in the battles and the struggles. And you see, from the day of our salvation to the day of our going to heaven, we are living and walking in and through a deeply fallen and broken world. It's messy out there. And you see, we need more than just mere connection with one another, more than just being familiar strangers across the patio parking lot or in a church building. We need deep relationships with mutual accountability. We need to take the initiative to confess our sins to one another and to ask each other about their battles, and share our battles and our struggles, and even to receive and be ready to give a loving rebuke in the lives of one another. And when that happens in smaller group setting, that is the way that the Word of God can dwell richly in our lives. And and, and, and it's being in that place where we can teach and admonish one another, so that's so vital that we have that. And thirdly, we walk without isolation. Second of all is that we be knit together in love. But thirdly, we walk without isolation so that we remain strong and grow in our convictions. The false teaching that was being introduced to the church there in Colossae, I mean, there was some real craziness going on. This was the start of Gnosticism, which would really take over in kind of sort of the new way of thinking in the years to come but it was infiltrating the church already. And there were those that were saying there's some hidden knowledge, some hidden wisdom, that that there were greater and deeper spiritual experiences that one could have. And people were becoming confused and misled and they were being drawn away and drawn astray. And so Paul is saying in verse 2, let's look at it again, as you are knit together with love for one another, he goes on to say the last part of verse 2, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Where does this come from? Not from some out-of-body experience or some extra revelation that comes along. It's through God's mystery, which is in the Word of God, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. He's telling you want real mystery? You want real knowledge? Know the gospel. Learn the gospel. Get blown away by what Christ has come to do here in this world and in our lives personally. How, how, how by... In knowing Him and understanding our completeness and finding our identity in Him, we have true riches, true grace in our lives. And together we need brothers and sisters to share and to teach God's Word in our lives and over our lives. And together we unpack the treasures, the wisdom that is found in God's Word. That is why we learn and we grow together and study in community with one another. So that when there's that new book that comes or there's that new teacher teaching some really interesting and wow, they're getting quite a following. Amazing how, you know, look at the numbers, look at the following, look at all of this go- goes on. Hey, growth isn't always the sign of success. Cancer grows, disease grows, sin grows, weeds grow as we're going to find out. Dandelions are going to be starting up soon. So when new stuff, new teaching, oh, I went to heaven and had this experience in heaven and now I want to tell you about it and make a movie and write a book. Oh, you can have this certain, you know, uh, revelation and you can have this certain kind of almost like out-of-body experience with God. You know what you do? You get together with brothers and sisters in Christ and you examine what God's word has to say and if there isn't a biblical New Testament precedent for it, you toss it. You get rid of it like that. You see... There is no getting mature, quick. There is no get quick, get spiritual quick plan to the Christian life. 30 days to mature to full maturity in the Christian life. Just not going to happen. But it's a day in, day out pursuit of God in community with one another. That is why we fight sin, we learn his ways, we live it, we rest in his power and peace and repeat. What is that again? We fight sin, we learn his ways, we live his ways, we rest in his power and peace and repeat. And we do that over and over again. And what he says in verse 5, Paul says, I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. Underlining your Bibles that word, the words good order and the firmness. Those words, good order and firmness, have a military association to them. This speaks of discipline. This speaks of commitment. Any good soldier is going to be disciplined. They're going to be committed. They're going to be well-trained. Not going into some crazy kind of teaching or get led astray by the enemy. And so this speaks about a discipline and a commitment and a firmness. But, But that word firmness then speaks of solidarity. It speaks of being in a platoon, deploying together, locking shields together, going into battle together. So that is why it is so very important in our lives that, that, that we walk without isolation so we remain strong and we grow in our convictions. And today with everything that is going on in our world, as we just see um, new forms and, and, and theologies, philosophies infiltrate the Christian church. We've got to know God's word, and we've got to know the gospel greater and greater in our lives, and we need to be sharpening one another in that to grow in our convictions and our understanding. And then fourthly and finally, we walk without isolation by growing and laboring to see Christ's church growing by taking steps of faith. That's a big one, but that's an important one. So I know Vanessa's going to leave that one up for a long time because you need to write that one down. We walk without isolation to see Christ's church growing By taking steps of faith. Look what it says in verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. How did you receive Jesus Christ the Savior and Lord? By faith. So he's saying just in the same way, keep walking with him by faith. And we receive Jesus Christ, and it's important to know and to understand the gospel. And here it is this happens. We receive Jesus Christ by faith. We trust Him by admitting and giving Him the sin and the wrong stuff that we've done, everything that we've done. And knowing that our sin has has broken that relationship with God. And, And our God is perfect and He is holy. And as we give him all of our sin and give him our lives, in exchange we receive Christ's righteousness. His punishment that he endured on the cross was the substitute, was, was him paying the price that we deserved, the death that we deserved to, to, to die and the wrath that we deserve to endure. He took that all and he gave us his righteousness in exchange. And understand this, true salvation is about, it's not about this, first of all, Jesus, you can have some of my sins, some of that stuff I did, about it really, sir. but I'm going to hold on to some of it, but I will take heaven and I'll take your help whenever I need it. That's not what it's about. No, it means that by faith we repent, it means that we desire to change and to turn. God, I'm giving you all of my sin, I'm giving you my life, and I'm receiving your righteousness, and your forgiveness in return. I want to follow your ways. And when we make that decision, God comes into our life through his Holy Spirit and makes us new and alive, adopted as his children. And he comes and he then indwells in me and he starts changing me. He starts changing you to make us into new people, changing us from that inside out. And so he says, so in the same way that you receive Christ by faith, continue to keep walking in him. And I wonder today, what steps of faith do you need to take personally today? What steps of faith do you need to take in your battle and your struggle with sin? What steps of faith do you need to take with the isolation that you have found yourself in? What steps of faith and discipline do you need to take when it comes to God's word to even serving the Lord. One of those, after salvation, one of the next most important steps that we take of obedience, and it's a step of faith, it's not having mastered the Christian life, because again, none of us have, but that first step of obedience is, is baptism. And if you are a follower of Christ and you've never been baptized upon confession of your faith in Jesus Christ, that's, that's step number one. By doing that in, in, in faith, we do it by faith, but also out of obedience. And actually, I think it's in the next few weeks, we're hoping to celebrate some baptisms and trying to do it in a way that will be meaningful and, and also so helpful and encouraging for the body of Christ as well as for those that are getting baptized. But if you're interested in baptism, fill out that form on the connection card on our website. For some of you, it's about getting and being a part of biblical community, to be part of perhaps Hope Bible Church. A church where you can agree and you say, hey, this is where we want to settle down. This is where we want to put down some roots, th- roots. This is where we want to learn and grow and be part, knit together in the body of Christ together. You need to step, attend step one right after this service. And you can, again, go online to, to register for that. You'll get the link for Zoom and you can join us in that. You need to be in biblical community. All of us need to commit to that weekly and show up and be committed to it. And, and, and as we roll up our sleeves in, in, in giving of ourselves, and give time, and as we go and we share the love of Christ with others, we're living the life that he calls us to live. But oftentimes this requires steps of faith because we become lazy or disobedient in some of these areas. Perhaps it's inviting others into your life, inviting others into community, moving off of the couch out of isolation and sometimes now complacency and laziness and self-centeredness and self-absorption and taking steps of faith to love and be part of community, in serving others, serving those in our city that are less fortunate, that are needy, serving together in the body of Christ for and with one another. You know, for decades now, the North America church has been kind of, the the sign of success has often been marked by numbers, by attendance. Since COVID, it's been marked by views, how many people are viewing, how many people are watching your services. And yes, we can say, yes, healthy things grow. But just because something grows, it doesn't mean that it's healthy. And just because a church has large numbers or a great following doesn't mean that it's necessarily healthy. Just as I already said, weeds and disease and cancer and sin also grows. And sin grows, especially when there's isolation. And we must choose to not live in isolation, but we must live in community with one another. May we live for and with one another. Would we be resilient disciples of the body of Christ? Let's choose today to walk with Jesus without isolation. Let's just bow together and I just want to say a few words and pray and then we're going to worship our time out of here. You know, it's easy to become discouraged with society, with politics, perhaps even your own family, with some of the division and the hurt that's been happening, even within the church of Jesus Christ. And sadly, we can see so much happening in a negative way, and yet the pressure that we're experiencing, some of these massive disruptions, we don't like it. We don't like it. But you know what? Pressure for the people of God has oftentimes been very positive. Some of the strongest and resilient Christians and churches and movements have started Out of great pressure. And they've come out of this. And we see this in various countries. Where there have been great pressure and difficulty. And we're seeing a resilient church rise up. Dear loved ones. I pray that in the same way. That as we choose to live on mission. To choose not to live in isolation. But for and with one another. Maturing together. That we would live resilient lives as disciples biblical lives without isolation living like the apostle paul our joy and our crown are the people around us and so god i pray even now that you would do this work in your church in us in me in all of us complacency and comfort and just just loves us so much but god that's not what we're called to We're called to serve and to worship and to give of ourselves for one another. Why? Because we've received the greatest love, the greatest joy, the greatest blessing through the gospel. And so God, I pray that you would work in and through your church, in and through each one of our lives for your glory and for kingdom growth, that we would be resilient disciples choosing not to live in isolation, but for and with one another in the body of Christ. And from that, God, would there be a witness Would there be a testimony to a waiting and a watching world that needs Jesus Christ and that together we would see many people saved and come into saving faith because of the love that we have for one another and the love ultimately that we have for you and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together.